Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Coastway Community Bank Smart Money Podcast Series. On behalf of Coastway Community Bank, I'm your host, Clint Fontaine. The Smart Money Podcast is a series that seeks to take a deep dive on common financial questions and issues that face Coastway customers and residents in the Rhode Island community. This is because at Coastway, we believe that education is the greatest tool for a healthy financial life and that every member of our community should have the tools they need to feel empowered to make the right financial choices. So in that spirit, I'm excited to have as my guest today, Claudia Cardozo, who is the Community Development Manager for Coastway Community Bank. Claudia has been with Coastway since 2015 and works with individuals and businesses across Rhode Island to assess their needs and goals and to identify ways to help achieve them using Coastway's products and services and also connecting them with other resources across the street. Uh, among her initiatives at Coastway is uh, the Empowered by Coastway program, which are a series of workshops she conducts throughout the state in conjunctions with organizations such as uh, the Providence Housing Authority, Youth in Action, and the Comprehensive Community Action Program, to name just a few. Claudia has been named a Minority Business Champion of the Year by the SPA and been awarded with an Outstanding Achievement Award by the Rhode Island Latino Public Radio and also achieved the Ronald McDonald House Community Service Award. Uh, Claudia, it's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. <laughs> so, Claudia, um, one of the common topics uh, you cover in your presentations and, you know, within your overall scope of work is credit. Um, and we thought that would be a great topic to uh, examine for our listeners. So, um, you know, to kind of kick off, you know, in today's day and age, 2018, you know, why is credit so important? Absolutely. Um, I mean, we we just had Karen talk about it in the last post podcast, uh, the importance of credit to buy a home, right? It's mm. uh, one of the most, uh, um, the things that we all know, right? You need good credit to buy a home, but many people don't know that sometimes you even need credit to get a job, mm, to get certain yeah. jobs, to get discounts on your insurance. Um, so we can survive without credit, uh, but we will not be able to thrive in this society without having credit. So it is extremely important for us to achieve our financial goals. Yeah, you know, that, that was an interesting point. I was actually going to bring that up later in the podcast, but we, <laughs> we can try to jump right into it. You know, we we so often kind of equate credit to, you know, well, I want to buy a car. So, you know, what is my credit score? Am I, am I, going, to, am I going to be able to qualify? Or do I want to buy a home? Oh, geez, you know, do I have, you know, the right credit capacity to be able to get approved for a mortgage? But we don't think about a lot of some of the other things that our credit is factored in on, just, just like you said, and, you know, like say for employment. So it becomes almost kind of this vicious cycle that, you know, if you, you know, if you don't have credit, you know, or, you know, you haven't never established it or have had rough times, you know, then to kind of put yourself in a better position with employment, you know, through employment or anything like that, you can sometimes be kind of be curtailed by that. So that was, that was an interesting point with that. So I just, um, you know, I think that a lot of people understand, okay, my credit is important. You know, I need to, you know, make sure that, you know, my, you know, and with the advent of a lot of websites like Credit Karma and things like that, we have, you know, most people on the street know that, you know, their credit is, you know, equated down to, you know, a three-digit score and, you know, they have base, a basic idea of kind of what the range is. But I don't think a lot of people understand necessarily what gets factored into that credit score and how that's kind of calculated. So can you kind of enlighten us a little bit about kind of how, you know, kind of what factors into that score and, um, you know, what that ultimately means? Yeah, absolutely. So, um so there are two things. One is the credit score, which is the grade, right? So when you were in college, uh, your professor uh, will say, well, if you had, uh, you know, that final exam or the final project is 30% of the note, right? Mm. If you participate in class, that's 10%. So in the same way, all the financial uh, choices that we make with credit, right, with the money that we borrow, goes into this credit score. 
And the other aspect is the credit report, which is the, the document that mm. contains all the information throughout your life uh, in regards to how you use your accounts, if you pay on time, if you have any type of collections, liens against yourself, if you file bankruptcy, can be in this document for seven to 10 years, mm. and it would prevent you from having certain loans, or it will make your life a little more difficult while trying to acquire credit. So there are um, five factors that go into consideration in the score. The most important one is paying on time, mm -hmm. right? Paying your bills on time. And uh, it's interesting that, you know, the utility bills, right? The electric bill, the yeah. cell phone bill, they will not help you build credit. But they can hurt your credit if Absolutely, you don't pay it, right? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> yes, because it becomes a collection. Like right. if it goes, um, if you just, you know, you had a dispute with one of the um, wireless companies, right? And mm. they were unfair for any reason and you didn't understand that you were paying for the equipment or whatever it is and you say, no, I'm not going to pay them. Well, years go by and it's still on your credit, even if it was two, three years ago, but it's showing today mm. as you have not fulfilled your financial obligation. Right. So it's affecting that 35% of the puntuation that is based on your payment history. Mm. Um, another big factor is um, the ratio between how much credit you have available and how much credit you spent okay. from that, right? So, and it's only, it's only based on revolving credit. So okay. credit cards, lines of credit, because they give you a limit, right? And you shouldn't spend more than 20 or 30% of that limit okay. if you want to get the best score, if you want to get this 30% okay. within this category, which is amounts owed. So, 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 say, so what you're basically saying is that if, you know, if I had a... If I had a credit card that had a $2,000 limit on it, and I had been paying on it, you know, religiously, and I had never missed a payment, but my available credit was $2,000, and my current balance was, say, you know, $1,950, that, that's a negative consequence, that, that could have negative consequences Absolutely. for my credit score, right? You are spending almost half of the credit that you have available to you. If that was the only account mm -hmm. that you had, if you had more accounts, if you had another account for $5,000 okay. uh, credit limit, and you only spend $100 on that one, then, you know, it... it um, Compensate. Okay, so they kind right? of pull it together almost like between yes. your, what you have available for credit? Okay. Exactly. It's a total of credit availability and how much you spend, right, of that credit availability. So when you spend almost 50% of the credit that you have available, the system categorizes you as a riskier, mm. riskier consumer, uh, compulsive buyer. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you spend almost everything you have available yeah. to you. Um, so, you know, your score is going to drop down and you're going to have to. Well, I mean, it's logical to think that way. I mean, from the, from, you know, kind of like thinking about this from the outside looking in that if, you know, you were going to be loaning somebody money and you know, just if I, if you would come to me and say, Glenn, you know, can I borrow, you know, X amount of dollars? And by, you know, some research I found out that, you know, you had, you had borrowed money from other people and you hadn't really paid all that down. The likelihood that I'm going to feel that you're going to be able to pay that back to me is I'm, I'm probably not going to feel that great about it. So it makes sense in Absolutely. the sense that, you know, even though you have been maybe, say, paying it on time, if you're already maxed out on what you already owe, you know, what room is there for me to be able to kind of get the money that I need to be able to pay me back? So that makes sense. Absolutely. And uh, some people don't realize that sometimes the best uh, time to ask for credit is when you have, uh, you know, savings, when you have availability of credit, right? So if let's talk about a business owner, you know, a business owner can have, you know, a few credit cards, but they need working capital. Mm -hmm. So if they have availability on those credit cards and now they want to loan specifically for working capital, the chances that they get 
that loan are higher if they have a little bit of credit mm-hmm. in other places because we never know what's going to go wrong, right. right? So we don't want to put someone in a worse situation than they were. And if all their cars are maxed out, right, and they're in a very difficult financial situation and now they're getting more more in debt, right, mm-hmm. we're actually doing a harm to the consumer if we approve sure. that loan. Right. So, but but what is, like, what most people do, unfortunately, is they try to get a loan when they max out mm. their credit cards. Okay. And now, so what else is, uh, now what else is kind of factored into when we're kind of talking about our credit score? Yes. So, length of credit history. Oh, okay. Is 15% of the puntuation, and it takes around approximately six to seven years for you to be able to have the 15% of the puntuation. You have to have an account for a long time. Okay. Um, but if you, you know, if you have your payment history, like if you always pay on time and you manage uh, your ratios, uh, well, you can have a good credit score even if, you know, if you have a credit card for a couple of years. Um, the other two factors are um, types of credit, okay. which um, if you have five credit cards... You only have one type of credit, okay? Because those credit cards and nines of credit are called revolving credit, and the other type of credit will be installment credit. Okay, so now you're talking about like car loans and mortgages and things like that. Exactly. Yeah. So if you have two types of credit, if you have let's say a student loan or a mortgage in a credit card, now the system categorizes you as a little more experienced. Okay. consumer with credit and it gives you 10% of the puntuation okay. for having two types of credit. So then the flip side would be true too then if you know somebody had a car loan but then they didn't have you know any credit cards that's you know again you know they could be you know their their score may not be necessarily what it would be if if they just opened up you know, maybe a small store card or they got you know a credit card from their bank or something yeah. like that. But it would be only 5% of the puntuation that they lose. Okay, gotcha. Right compared to 35% of the puntuation if they don't pay on time. Gotcha. Okay, excellent. And the last is new credit. So in which means soft inquiries, hard inquiries. So hard inquiry is every time you are requesting credit. Okay. Um, So sometimes, uh, you know, people go to one bank or one financial institution to get credit. They deny them and they continue to go to another, another, another. And their credit go even down because they have so many inquiries. Okay. So when someone deny you credit, the first thing you need to know is why are they denying are denying credit, right? Mm-hmm. Look at your credit report, ask questions to be able to work towards, you know, being in a better place so you can get credit. The other type of inquiries are soft inquiries, um, meaning when you check your own credit, the system knows that you're monitoring your credit so you don't get penalized for that. And also when an employer, not all the employers look at credit, but some, uh, some industries like, you know, for instance, finance industry, they do want to make sure that they bring people into their institutions that they're more responsible, let's mm. say, you know, through looking at the credit reporting and credit scores, they have a sense of, okay, this person is more responsible. So if they have two candidates, right, and one of them have better credit, they may hire that person. Sure. Um, so that is not going to affect is not going to affect your okay. credit either. Um, insurance rates, right? So um, many times have you, you know, get a, an insurance agent ask you for your social security sure. number yep. to give you a discount. So in that case, it's also a soft inquiry. It will not affect your credit. Okay. So what is the thought behind, um, you know, kind of factoring in, you know, somebody inquiring about their credit kind of having a negative effect? What, what is the rationale behind that, that the, that the credit companies kind of take um, with that? So 
uh, I think it's three, four inquiries a year. It's not going to really harm your credit. More than that, it does because sometimes we get in periods in our life where we are, um, you know, getting in too much debt mm. or uh, extending ourselves too thin. So if we are, you know, if in a year we have uh, six, seven inquiries, it means that we're kind of desperate for credit, that we're um, perhaps putting ourselves in a in a difficult place financially. Yeah. Um, so it's look at as, you know, this is a compulsive <laughs> <laughs> consumer that is desperate for credit. Okay, interesting. Now, if somebody wanted to be, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this is, you know, I know a little bit about it, uh, about this particular topic. So if I was um, to say, you know, if I was out shopping for a car or if I was out, you know, getting a mortgage, is it true that if I'm, you know, say I'm thinking about buying a house and I get, you know, I pull my credit on my mortgage and, you know, I get offered a rate from the bank that pulled it. You know, is there a time frame where I'm able to go and check, you know, with other bank, with other financial institutions to be able to get, you know, competitive rates on that and that doesn't have an effect on my credit? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Two weeks. I okay. would say if you, uh, if you go to different banks, uh, we get all your documents, everything on, on um, you know, ready and you go to different we- uh, different banks in, in the lapse of a couple of weeks, then uh, it's going to be treated as one inquiry because they know, you know, the credit bureaus know that you are looking for one house. You're not buying several houses. With cars, it's a little bit different and I think it depends on the application also that they use to inquire credit. So sometimes... um, uh, they they give you the ability to look at different uh, financial institutions in one system. Okay. And, and, and that will will be better for you. Okay, interesting. So now you touched on something that I wanted to, that I wanted to kind of get into um, the credit bureaus. Um, I think that um, I think most people have know the name Equifax now because they had that data breach. Um, I think it was last year, but I think that um, you know the three major credit bureaus have kind of are this these huge institutions that the average consumer doesn't really know a whole lot about. So can you talk to a little about kind of how the credit reporting system works? Like how how is the the information from the creditors kind of communicated to the credit bureaus, and how does that all work? Well, there are uh, there are systems in place. Financial institutions are already. Um, uh, build those partnerships and have information go electronically mm. to to you know to report it to the different credit bureaus. Not every single um, credit card company, institution, uh, bank will report to the three credit bureaus. Okay. Some of them report to one or two. So as a consumer, it's important for you to ask, like if you were to be in the process of building credit, mm. you want to get loans. Um, or credit cards with institutions that report to the three credit bureaus. So that's a question that you as a consumer can ask. So there are a lot of processes that are electronically, but there is also um, individuals entering information manually in the systems. Mm. So there are a lot of um, errors, not a lot of errors, but there is a possibility for errors, right? Because there could be, even in one household, the father and the son can have the same name. And even though they have different birthdays, uh, the information can be, you know, sure, yeah, transposed, like, yep. uh, you know, going the wrong file. Um, so your responsibility as a consumer is to make sure that you look at that credit report, that you make sure that all the information is accurate. Also, sometimes you have someone in another state with the same name and same date of birth. They live in different places, but again, because of errors, uh, you know, the information can be messed up. So um, I will encourage people to go to the annualcreditreport.com 
website, which is the official uh, website to look at your credit. You can see you can see the three credit bureaus there. And every year you can pull those reports for free and make sure that the information represent you well. Oh, excellent. Okay. Um, so now we've you know, kind of anecdotally, we talk, you know, everyone knows that they need good credit. And I think that when some people when you think about it, it's kind of, you know, a binary thing. Either I have good credit or I have bad credit. And you know, we also we obviously know that well, if you have bad credit, you know, you can't get approved for a car or a house or credit cards or things like that. But, you know, I think that within the, you know, Within the context, you know, there's, you know, good credit, very good credit and excellent credit. And I kind of wanted to ask you, you know, what are some of the financial ramifications of having or the financial benefits of having better credit as opposed to lower credit? You know, when it comes to, you know, when we're talking about like, you know, the the cost of interest over the course of, you know, you know, the, you know having a credit card or a car loan or a mortgage. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. So um, the difference, like if you're in the market for buying a car for, in a 60-month term, five-year term, you could be paying up to $6,000 more in interest just because you have a score of 600. So there are going to be companies out there that tell you, you know, no credit, no worries. (laughs) (laughs) Bad credit, don't sweat it. Come on down. (laughs) Exactly. But it's going to cost you, right? Uh, On the other hand, if you have a credit score over 720, uh, you can get 0% financing. So in that, you know, in that sense, you can save up to $8,000 in interest because you're paying 0% financing. Because sometimes dealerships will need to move their inventory. And who are they going to give these cars to? Right. To someone that has some track record, right? They pay their debts. You know, this person is, I'm not going to have to send a lawyer. I'm not going to have to worry. This person is going to, you know, send the payment, uh, the the payment, the the car payment. So, um, yeah, you, you. Again, you can survive without credit, you know, without good credit, but you're not going to try. It's going to be a little more difficult. Right. Because I think that a lot, you know, some people might have kind of the feeling, well, you know, my credit's good enough. You know, my credit's good enough to, you know, I have, you know, to be able to get into a car and, you know, maybe I don't have the best credit, but it's, you know, oh, geez, you know, I, I you know, it is what it is. Like, you know, I, you know, but there's. A lot of just kind of like just on a car loan, you know, you're talking about the difference about six thousand dollars. When you now think about like a mortgage, and you're talking about that, you know, extrapolated over thirty years. I mean, now Absolutely. you're talking about serious, serious dollars. So, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, what are the you know, you know what are some of the um, the negative effects, um, you know, kind of beyond or uh, if there are any, you know, beyond financial that have to do with you know having living your life with bad credit? What are some things that maybe uh, people don't think about um, that can have negative effects when you do have bad credit? Well, you know, I had um, I had a customer who came to me and he said, well, you know, I'm going to work on my credit because uh, he traveled a lot. He had money. He felt like, okay, you know, I don't need credit because I can buy things with cash. Yeah. Right. Um, And uh, he had a business that was a cash business. So he kind of learned how to live that way. But when he traveled with his family, uh, he couldn't get rent a car. No kidding. He couldn't <laughs> do so many things wow. because he didn't have a credit card. Wow. So, so yeah, there are consequences of living a life without credit. Interesting. Besides, you know, that you will not get those discounts in your insurance policy. Even um, some insurance company may, may deny you really? based on bad credit. Not, not based on uh, non-history because, because it's different. Like if you never build credit, 
is very different than having a very, very bad credit, right? Mm. Having bankruptcy, uh, having things um, that tell um, the financial institution or the creditor that you have walk from your debts. Uh, but insurance companies sometimes may deny you in certain um, programs that they have because sure. they don't want someone to perhaps get a policy and then let it drop, mm. right? Maybe get a policy to insure the car and let it drop. They, they don't want that. They, you know, the insurance company make money actually with people that keep their policies for a long time. And I'm sure there's probably something to be said too that, you know, it, you can probably judge a little bit about a person's responsibility also, um, you know, about, you know, kind of how they care of themselves personally by their credit. So, you know, while, you know, if somebody maybe isn't taking their credit seriously, how seriously are they taking, you know, their safety while driving, you know, <laughs> how, yes. you know, so and there's a, it's, uh, you know, there's there's not a lot of information that, you know, kind of these big companies have to kind of use to be able to judge us. So they kind of use what they can. So, you know, they have driving records, but, you know, this is just another layer on top that they can kind of judge their risk, you know, on how much how much they're risking, you know, by insuring you. So, I mean, that makes sense. Absolutely. I, I used to work in the insurance industry. I worked oh, really? uh, okay. two and a half uh, <laughs> years. And uh, so some of my colleagues, they were like detectives, you know, like, <laughs> you know, making so many conclusions. And they will say, they will say to me, Claudia, you know, they must be so stra- stressed out that they can have higher risk of getting into an accident because they're, you know, they're, they're struggling financially. And I was like, really? You're really working to connect dots there. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Um, so now if, um, now someone's listening to this podcast, maybe they say they're, you know, in the position that your customer was where, you know, you know, they're comfortable or, you know, maybe they're not. Um, and they, do, they haven't really ever kind of established credit. So what would be the steps that you would recommend to somebody who, you know, is listening to this podcast and they've had their aha moment. Okay. I want to start building my credit. What would be the steps that they would take to be able to kind of start doing that so for someone that had had no credit like a zero right mm-hmm. like they they have not borrow money uh, from um you know they're not in the banking system yet i would say getting um a secure credit card or a secure loan can you be, talk about what, what that is uh yes it's basically you pledge your own money okay and the financial institution put that money on a CD or just put it aside. And you, if you are doing a secure credit card, you start using this credit card as you would use any credit card. We will report to the credit bureau so um, you know, they will be able to build up the payment history that okay. they need in order to get the score. Uh, we recommend for at least a year, right? So it's basically so, a credit card that they're just taking collateral on. So it's, uh, exactly, okay. yes. But it's very important, even though the customer is putting $500 or whatever amount they want to put in this, this credit card, they have to use no more than 20%. Okay. 20 to 30%, but with 20%, they get the best score. So, you so know, even though the debt is secured, they're still within the same constraints of the FICO score that you know they need to still maintain. The, even though that debt is secured, you know, for the purposes of the credit score, they still want to see that they're not maxing out that card or that they're not. It, that may okay. Absolutely, because they have to prove to the financial system that they know how to use credit. Okay, and they can use it effectively. Um, also, they could do they could do both, or they could do a secure loan, which is very similar, right? You you put you know the money is collateral. Uh, but then you get all the money back. Okay. Right? So then you start paying the loan. Um, and when you finish paying the loan, they uh, return the security to you. Oh, interesting. Okay. So you want to keep that for at least one or two years in order to, to build credit. If you had uh, bad credit, right? So the first step before trying to build credit is pay any debt. 
okay. that you have because it doesn't matter. You know, it's not. I wouldn't recommend someone still owning a lot of money trying to build. Right. Okay. I would say, you know, put all your financial resources in. So you want to kind of clear or start off with a clean slate. So exactly. Okay. And then you're going to start building credit. Um, and as a consumer, you have the right to negotiate the debt. Uh, so there are a lot of resources. I mean, they can they can contact us. We can um, help them, guide them, um, or connect them with organizations. Um, I would like to recommend the Capital Good Fund. They they do wonderful work in terms of helping people to negotiate their debts um, and and do the process of talking to uh, the collectors and, and, and trying to clean their credit. Excellent. So now someone who, you know, has kind of, they, they've either started off at zero and they're starting to kind of build their credit or somebody's had, you know, some issues in the past and now they've kind of, they've, you know, kind of cleared that up and now they're starting over from scratch and, you know, they're kind of going down that path. So now from there, kind of how do they, you know, continue to kind of maintain that and make sure that they're on kind of the, um, you know, kind of on the straight and narrow path, um, you know, from, you know, monitoring themselves or kind of staying on those payments. What, what advice would you give to them in that circumstance? Absolutely. I, I would recommend people to put, uh, to do auto pay, okay. right? To do auto pay, even if it's just with the minimum payment for those credit cards, to do a calendar, whatever works for them, so they don't miss a payment <laughs> because then you know it's not going to help them. So um, yeah, so if you do auto pay, where you know that the money is going every month to pay that credit card, and then whenever you can, you know, pay the rest or like paying full, like if you can. Um, if you can pay your balance in full, that's the best thing <laughs> uh, for a couple of reasons. I mean, first, you do not need to pay interest on a credit card in order to build credit. Okay. Uh, because as we review is the payment history, the amounts you owe, right? The ratios, keeping a healthy ratio between what you owe and the credit that you have available, length of credit history, inquiries, types of credit, you know, they don't have to pay interest to build mm. credit. So so I want to keep that very clear for, for people that is listening listen, listening to us today. And, and the other reason is that you're going to, you know, you're going to be able to save more if you're not paying tons of interest over time. Mm. And once you start carrying, you know, balance here, a balance there, it becomes more difficult to... Uh, to pay them off later. Excellent. So now you have the benefit of kind of have been have been have being been in the community and you know doing you know the workshops and being able to kind of meet with people one on one. What are some common misnomers that you that you get when you're kind of when you're interacting with people that people um, you know mistakes that they or things that they thought that they knew about credit that you know you're able to kind of clear up for them? I think uh, these the balances um, people don't understand how much is really affecting them to mm -hmm. carry uh, high balances on those credit cards. Okay. They don't know how many points really is taking off from their credit. So when I explain, you know, thirty percent of your punctuation is based on on those healthy ratios, um, I think that's kind of a hard moment for them to start working towards uh, lowering those balances. Um, also. I have heard a lot about um, people thinking that they have to pay interest in order really? to build credit. Yes. Um, and so I they think, think that they need to carry your balance over from month to month for a kind of. I think it's a misperception because, like, if you were to do a secure loan, those loans do have a small administration charges, right? Mm -hmm. So in that sense, you may gonna have to pay. There is some cost for yep. you to keep that loan, uh, but not with credit cards. So, so I think there is just confusion around that, and people think that they have to carry balances uh, in order to build credit. 
Interesting. Okay. That's like the most most common. Oh, I have heard that um, people is afraid to check their credit because they don't want points taken off. And I'm like, no. <laughs> well, I think that people kind of get scared because I think that they've heard about kind of what we were talking about before that, oh, no, I don't want to check my credit because it's just going to make it's just going to hurt it. So Exactly. Yes. That, that's a misperception, too. Um, absolutely. Those so if somebody did want ones. to check there, so they would go to the website you referenced earlier, right? The- uh, so with um, annualcreditreport.com, they're able to look at their history. Okay. So, but if you look at the history, everything looks okay. Uh, all the accounts are yours. Everything is a good standing. That means you have a good credit score, right? Okay. So, but by law, you get this credit report for free once a year from the three credit bureaus. Um, but the credit score, you will need to go directly to uh, to Equifax, TransUnion, um, and and check with them. Or there are other apps out there that it can give you that service. Okay. Um, I personally use Mint. Uh, there are many out there. I, you know, I'm very comfortable with Mint. I use Credit Mint. Karma. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Credit Karma is good too. And um, they try to sell me a million credit cards. I know, yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. Nothing is for free. Nothing is Nothing for free. Is no. for free. Yes. Um, so, um, but it's a, it's a good tool. It gives you an approximation. So it's not it's not the score. And it's not the same kind of report. It's not as in depth of a report as a financial institution will be looking at. Oh either, yes, right? yeah, okay. absolutely. But it does guide you. It does guide you because it, it helps you to understand the things that you're doing that, like, if you do, if you pay X amount of money here, you know, this is how much your, your credit score could, could go up. Uh, so it guides you, guides you a lot in terms of building um, a more financial, a healthy financial uh, credit report and credit score. Excellent. Um, you know, finally, is there any kind of, you know, last kind of kernels of wisdom you'd like to impart on the, uh, on the listening audience about credit, you know, just kind of, you know, some key takeaways that maybe uh, people could kind of take away from the podcast? Yeah, I really want everyone listening to this podcast to uh, to go to annualcreditreport.com and look at the report. If they haven't done it in the last year or so, look at it. Uh, it's very important. It's very important for you to make sure that that report is representing you Um Correctly, right? That yeah. there are no mistakes. Um, I will say also um, live within your means, right? Yeah. So uh, kind of think about um, the expenses that you have, not only those big expenses, right? Mortgage, car loan, um, the utilities that you know you pay every month, right? Your cell phone bill. But think about those little things, right? We, we have uh, discussed this before. How much is that coffee costing you every week, every right. month, uh, you know, every year? And you're going to find that a lot of money is going in places where you don't even realize, mm. right? And yep. that's money that can go to lower your credit card um, balances. It's money that can go towards savings. Uh, so I will encourage you to think more about, you know, your financial choices and making sure that um, that you're building uh, a healthy uh, credit uh, um uh, report and credit score and uh, feel free to reach out to us we have financial educators in each branch and we're happy to have these conversations with our consumers with our customers to help them make better choices excellent if uh, if someone did want to uh, contact you for questions or maybe po- have, possibly have you come down to you know meet with the organization how would they contact you um, if they go to the Cosway uh, website 
they can go to uh, the education center and all my information is there. Oh, fantastic. Excellent. Uh, and then again, as you mentioned, uh, the uh, Coastway does have financial educators in all of their branches as well. So if you'd like to get uh, information, you can uh, go that route as well. So thank you. Claudia, uh, thank you so much for coming in. Uh, we really appreciate it. And uh, it was uh, it was really informative. I thank you. And uh, this won't be the last we, uh, we hear of you. We have uh, some other topics on financial literacy to talk to you about too. So uh, those of you at home listening, uh, make sure to stay tuned for that. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. Thank Thanks. you. So much. All right. So this has been another episode of the Coastway Community Bank Smart Money Podcast Series. Thanks again to my guest, Claudia. And uh, be sure to check us out at www.coastway.com. See you next time. This podcast has been brought to you by Coastway Community Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender.